Good evening, Mosaic family. Isn't that exciting to see our student ministry just thriving and doing so awesome? Yeah, it's, it's an exciting thing to see. Um, and I'll, I'll say this too about our, our uh, student ministry. They are some of the most passionate worshipers I have encountered so far uh, in my life. <laughs> they love to worship the Lord and love to sing. And if you've ever been to our 630 service, they usually sit right over here to my left, your right. And uh, they are just are so loud and they love to sing worship songs to the Lord. So that being said, let's stand and let's fix our eyes on King Jesus and let's sing about the joy that's here. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Shout out. 
turn say hello to somebody <laughs> y'all kind of spread out feel feel welcome to move in at any point all right move in move up all that stuff good to see all you tonight welcome to you is that a motorcycle I hear man there are a bunch of them around here aren't they well, it's great to see all of you tonight. Welcome to you, and uh, you could see the information there on the slide, our guest info. If you would like to uh, know more about Fellowship, know more about Fellowship Mosaic, then get connected. Go to our website. We also have an app. You can do that, and uh, all the information is right there. So thanks for being here tonight. You know, uh, in my notes, it said we invite you to rest uh, focus, refresh, relax, but I'm not going to ask you to do that tonight. I'm going to challenge you to be, at whatever stage of life you're in, to be a more fully devoted follower of Christ. To never be complacent. 
Never be complacent. Be content, yes, but never be complacent. So we're going to be asking you to think about where am I in my life and what do I need to do to get to the next step? Because that's what we need to do every time we come into the house. Praise the Lord, worship him, and then respond to him in some way. Beautiful thing happened back in 1989. There was a group of people. Uh, we were meeting in a junior high school at the time here at Fellowship. And we had a small group of people. I think they were in a community group together. And they decided that they wanted to meet the needs of people in need here in northwest Arkansas. And they rented out a little storage uh, unit over by the old Walmart, their own Walnut, just across the street. And people began to make donations. And every time we took communion, we would take an offering. And, and they began helping people. And that was called Samaritan House at the time. Well, now it's Samaritan Community Center. And it's incredible, all the things that are happening. And they have moved on to our campus, if you haven't already been in there. Uh, but I want you to watch this video, all right? There's something amazing happening in our community right now. And Fellowship is right in the middle of it. The Samaritan Community Center's new facility has opened next door, creating a fantastic opportunity for our congregation to show the power of God's love through service to the people who need it most in our area. Over the last 20 years, we've maintained a close relationship with the SCC, but this marks a new chapter in our ministry together. We want to integrate their mission into our outreach and make service through love a priority for our family. Today, we invite you to come and see this new building, to walk its halls, and also to dedicate this space to serving the hurting and the hungry in Northwest Arkansas. Together, we can create lasting change for our community. Fantastic. Well, tell us what's happening at Samaritan Community Center. Good evening, everyone. Um, we are really excited uh, about our new location right next door at the corner of Laurel and 8th Street. Um, and we would love to have you come uh, tomorrow morning. We're having an open house. We'd love to have you come and take a tour of the facility and see all the wonderful things that are happening. We're not just a food ministry where we give out food to families that are in need, but we really wrap around those families who come through our doors and help address all the barriers that they face in their life. Um, so they, too, can have personal success and not need the services of an organization like ours. So some of the things that happen in our building, we have a beautiful dental clinic with six treatment rooms where we provide uh, free dental care to adults in need. Um, we do have our feeding programs, our cafe, our market. We operate our Snack Packs for Kids program out of that where we feed 6,000 children every single weekend. Um, but also in our new building, we have collaborative space where our partners can come in. And so when clients come to the door, they not only can access our services, but also the services to of six or eight of our community partners all in one trip, which is really convenient, but it also keeps them from missing work, which is kind of counterproductive when you're trying to break out of that cycle of poverty. And then starting in January of this year, we are opening up a free mental health counseling center. Um, to be able to provide services, because that right now has been identified as the greatest need, especially for low-income families across Northwest Arkansas. Did you say free? Free. Free. That is fantastic to free. offer those services to people. And that's just the beginning. Tell us about the farm. 
right next door, actually, if you take out that side entrance out to 71 Business, um, on the left, you will see our farm. And Samaritan Farm started as a small garden, about a third of an acre, which that's really not small when you think about it. But that started as our focus to really try to make sure that families not only had access to food, but food justice is all about having access to good food, nutritious food that nurtures your body. And so we started that, and now we have, we're actually farming an acre and a half right now. Um, in fact, we just, I'm not sure, over 10,000 pounds of sweet potatoes in the last week. So that's a lot of sweet potatoes. That's a lot of sweet potatoes. So, that's a lot of yeah. sweet potatoes. Well, we're excited about that. Uh, what about opportunities to volunteer? Well, there are numerous ways in which you can volunteer. Um, we would love to have you come and check us out, take a tour, see what all we have to offer. Um, we have everything from very personal, one-on-one, -on -one encouraging families in need um, to those that maybe aren't into that and that's not their gift. Um, you can sort produce, you can work in the cafe, you can serve meals. If you're a dental professional, we always need those. Um, we need people to help answer our phone, stuff envelopes, work at our thrift store. Um, you don't have to have a lot of talent, you just have to have time and a willingness to serve. Now, how, I know Fellowship provided the land. I know the lease is pretty tough on you over there for the land, what I think it's a dollar a year or something like that. And that 50 uh, I, kept telling, was 50 bucks. I kept telling Debbie, I said, we got this piece of land over there. You guys need to be there. And God made it possible. But how much did the building cost and how much do you owe? About two years ago, we started um, a fundraising process uh, with the goal of raising $16.8 million um, in August of 2021. And um, as of now, we're at $16.5 million, so we lack about $300,000 in meeting our goal. And that's up close. to this point, we haven't had to borrow a single penny. Ah, that's awesome. <laughs> now, the magic question, and she didn't ask me, how do you, how do you make donations to that? <laughs> Really easy. Um, okay. You can go online to our website at samcc.org. Um, we would really love to finish up that last 300000 We still have um, several large things to do at our farm. We need to build a barn. We need to finish up our, um, we've drilled a well, but we need to get it up and running and just some other improvements. So we really don't want to borrow money. Um, we really want to pay cash all the way through this. That way we can utilize every single penny that we get on a daily basis to support the programs that we operate and to help those families in need. So samcc.org, um, or you can drop by. We have a little mailbox. We can take your check there. Um, we'd just love to talk to you about it further. And one other way you can give um, that a lot of people don't think about, but we operate two thrift stores, one in Springdale, one in Rogers, and a third of our day-to-day -day income that pays for everything that we do on a daily basis comes from those two thrift stores. So when you think, oh, I'm just going to give it to fill in the blank, goodwill, um, or one of those other places, um, you could give it to us. It all stays local, and it really goes to help those families in need right here in Northwest Arkansas. Well, we're celebrating the fact that uh, Samaritan Community Center has come home. And uh, they're right here on the campus. And listen, folks, if you want to help make a difference in the lives of uh, the poor in this area, this is low-hanging fruit. It's right here, on our just right on our campus. And so... Thank you, Debbie, for sharing this with us. And could we pray for them as we pray for this service? And uh, Father, 
just want to come to you tonight celebrating the fact that Samaritan Community Center has moved to this part of town and it's open. And Lord, we know that many lives will be touched through the ministry that they've been doing for so long. And Lord, I just pray for Debbie as she leaves and the entire staff over there. We pray for the people of fellowship as they get involved. Lord, may we be a people uh, who make a difference in the lives of others. May we be your hands and your feet and your voice to them. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you. Yeah, what a blessing it is for me to even see the, the fruit of years of uh, God's work kind of coming to fruition. Um, for now, church, would you stand? I just want to bring your attention back to Christ. Would you just, would you sit with him for just a moment? What is God asking you to release to him tonight? What is God asking you to receive from him tonight? He's kind, he's our wonderful counselor, and he welcomes us into a relationship. So in light of that, let's worship him together.
as I grateful for tonight? What are the great things and the great works of God that you've experienced in your life so far? As we sing this song, would you ask the Holy Spirit to bring those things to mind?
realize what's happening right now. Singing together with the people of God. Let's lift our voice. I'm Windsor. I get to serve here with the worship team and the prayer team and a couple of places sometimes when I'm not hanging out with my kids. So now I get to go through the offering prayer with you. Oh, Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we could ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give could match your great gifts to us, your Son, and your Spirit. Amen.
chorus just one more time. Only you satisfy. Only you satisfy. Jesus, you Mosaic. Uh, my name is Anna Imbo, and um, I'm a senior in the student ministry here. Uh, I've gone here about uh, eight years now, and I'm just really thankful uh, for God, how God has used it uh, in my life. So now let's hear from the word of the Lord. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. I've attended fellowship for a long time since I was a little girl. Um, I was probably around nine when I started attending fellowship with my family. Fellowship Mosaic has been my home for the majority of that time. And I've served on the worship team and served with the students and gotten to know the people that work there. And it's home. It was home throughout college and it's home for, it's been home for a long time. And now I get to serve as a resident with the Celebrate Recovery um, Landing Team. I have known the Lord since I was really young and I grew up in a really wonderful family that taught me about Jesus and taught me about His love for me. And I remember as a little girl, my grandma used to teach me about Jesus. and. I just was a really trusting child and I just trusted my grandma, I trusted my parents, I trusted my family, just believed what they were telling me. And one day as I grew older, it just became my own, it became my own belief. And I grew in that and I grew out throughout my time at um, fellowship and my time at a Christian school and just got to know the Lord better and better as I got older. I think that growing up in a family where my extended family were in a denomination where baptism was necessary for salvation, it confused me as a child. I didn't believe that I needed to be baptized to be saved, but I struggled with that. So years and years went by where I wanted to be baptized, but I wanted to be at a place where I wasn't doing it out of a way to be saved. So I think I got to a place in college where I was ready to be baptized, but there was almost this shame and embarrassment of being in an age where I felt like I was almost past the stage of baptism, which 
is not true. It was a lie that I was believing. And so I really prayed through that and talked through it with my family and let them know that this is what I want to do out of obedience. I want to let the believers, the church know that um, I'm choosing Christ and to live as Christ and to die as gain. As I talked through it with people, I began to kind of release those feelings of shame, um, knowing that baptism is a step of obedience and I wanted to take that step of obedience even if it felt different than my friends that got baptized when they were little. And I just wanted to recognize that like the Lord was still using my story and still wanted me to walk in obedience even though I'd been walking with him for a long time. So I'm being baptized and um, I asked Mickey to baptize me because Fellowship has been such a crucial part of my faith and my journey with the Lord. And um, Mickey's known me since I was little, singing in the choir with my mom as a little girl. I just thought it was fitting and special to have him baptize me um, in a place that has been home for so long. I just wanted to thank my fellowship family for investing in me and leading me and giving me a place to grow and also to lead students at this point. Um, and be a part of the residency and just be filled with the wisdom that fellowship has. Always pointing me back to Jesus and to obedience. The rest of my life, I wanna walk with the Lord and yeah, I'm just really thankful for this place. Good, I'm glad you said hello to Chaney. Yeah, she used to stand right over there when she was a little girl. And uh, when she sang beside her mom, she would have the biggest smile on her face and just brought joy to everyone who watched her. And you're still doing that. You're still doing that. And I hope tonight as you watch Chaney's video, I wanted to share that because when she first called me about being baptized, I just thought, She'd probably been baptized as a young girl because her family are deep-rooted believers. And, but they allowed this to be her decision, uh, which it should be that way. And if you've never been baptized, uh, Cheney would say to you, don't, don't let anything keep you from taking this step to be baptized. And, and you're ready. You're ready. And so, Cheney, is it your testimony that you know the Lord Jesus is your Savior? Yes. Yeah. And you want to follow him all the days of your life. Yes. Great. Now, seat right there. Let's pray for Cheney. Oh, Father, we ask you tonight to bless Cheney. Lord, just to watch over her life. To give her every good and perfect gift. Because we know, Lord, that you are the author of those. We thank you, Lord, for saving her soul. And for giving her this desire to say to the world that I'm a follower of Christ. And I pray that many will follow in her footsteps. We thank you, Lord, for her commitment to you, for her work here at Fellowship as a resident. And just bless everything she says and everything she touches. And so now, my dear sister Cheney, it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The old is past, and the new is come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy with those things.
What a great way to begin a service and teaching, right? You know, as Cheney pondered her life about being baptized, I want you to ponder your life. And where are you? I'll just throw a flag here. Ponder your life and where you are. And do so by looking at the passage that we just read. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is blank. Think about your life, though. For me to live is, and to die is. For Paul, it was this. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. A fully devoted follower of Christ, filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, is an unstoppable force. Amen? Do you believe that? A fully devoted follower of Christ, filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, is an unstoppable force. That was Paul. That was Paul. After being confronted by Christ on the road to Damascus, stood many times on Mount Bental and looked over that road to Damascus leading into Syria and just trying to imagine in my mind what that was like. But after he was confronted by Christ on that road to Damascus, everything changed for him and he became that fully devoted follower of Christ, filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And indeed, he was an unstoppable force. He would not stop. And despite all the difficulties and persecutions that he faced, he just kept going until he was killed by Nero in 64 AD. Prior to that, he was the worst enemy of the church. Listen to what Dr. Luke says in the book of Acts, Acts 8.3. Saul began to destroy the church, destroy the church, going from house to house. Look at this. He dragged off both men and women. Dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Acts 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. But we know what happened on that trip, don't we? In Acts 22, Paul's own testimony of himself, he said, I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as the high priest and all the council themselves can testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. But he went from serving, from persecuting Christians to serving Christians. And so that's the context of what we read today. Paul's aim is to serve Christ by serving others in both life and death. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I've quoted this passage so many times. And read it and used it in services and in teaching. But I've always missed something. 
that wasn't made clear to me until studying for teaching this this weekend. I forgot to put into play the fact of Paul's history. Uh, He was a, a child of two Pharisees. They've lived in Tarsus of Cilicia, and, and that's in, in south-central Turkey. And they sent him to Jerusalem when he was a young man to study under the Hebrew teacher Gamaliel. And there he was immersed in Hebrew culture, in, in the law, the ways of the Jews during that time. He was also trained in diatribe. It's, it's the art of debate, which he was very good at later on. Look at what he says about this as he addresses a violent mob in Jerusalem. Acts 22.3, he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. For he, so for him to say, for me to live as Christ... A guy who was raised and taught by Gamaliel in Jerusalem? That is a huge statement. And here he is now a few years away from death, sitting in a prison cell in Rome, forsaking his upbringing, talking about the joy of following Christ. In the book of of Philippians, variations of joy in this book are going to be spoken of about 15 times and every time he writes it he's still wearing the chains he's still behind bars some of the hearers of the letter I think about those Philippians that we know about who heard Paul speak maybe there was Lydia who came to know Christ by the river outside of Philippi What about the slave girl that Paul delivered from a demon? What about the Philippian jailer and his family? They they heard these words as a part of the church. Remember the Philippian jailer? He had had listened to, to them sing all night about Jesus as they were jailed and the earthquake came and and they didn't leave. And remember his words, his question? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He wanted what they had. It's fascinating to think about them listening to Paul's words of joy, knowing he was now bound in a Roman prison. He wanted to go to Rome. Paul did. But he didn't know he was going to go there in chains. But nothing could squelch his joy. He goes on, he said, if I'm going to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. You see, death seems to be of no consequence to Paul, does it? I live or I die. Peanut butter crackers, cheese crackers. Blue dress, red dress, gray suit, black suit. It's like it's either way to him. It's of no consequence. Both death and life meant service to Christ and to others, which was his life's ultimate aim. 
It's interesting, the Greek word used for depart here is one that he used in his profession as a tent maker. It literally means to strike the tent. To strike the tent and move on to the next destination. That, that, that was what it was to him. Just strike the tent and move on. Christy Wright passed away this summer. She was 46 years old. I had the privilege of walking through the cancer journey with her for 13 years. When she was 33 years old, she was diagnosed. She just kept fighting because she wanted to see her children grow up, and she did. She was told this summer she had 12 to 24 hours to live, and during that 24 hours, she was awake, she was alert, and she was resolved that God's time for her to come home was here. And she talked and she laughed and she asked questions about heaven. And late that Saturday night when I left her room, she looked at me and with a twinkle in her eye said, I'll see you on the other side. And I said, I'll be there. You see, that's the confidence that we have in Christ. We don't have to fear death. And neither did Paul. He sets the example for us. Charles Wesley wrote to his brother John about a physician who made the following statement about the death of Christians. He said, most people die for fear of dying. But I never met with such people as yours. They are none of them afraid of death, but are calm and patient and resigned to the last. Upon hearing this, his brother John replied, our people die well. Our people die well. But in order to die well, you need to live well. We need to live God's way. And keep in mind, this wasn't a suicidal choice for Paul. He understood that God chooses when we die. We don't choose when we die. So why would he debate over a point over which he had no control? It's because every fully devoted follower of Christ longs to be with Christ in God's timing. And so he says in verse 25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you, not some of you. Paul's expectation was that if you knew Christ, you were going to participate. Not just some of you, all of you. For your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Paul's very existence found its meaning in his relationship with Christ. I'm reminded of Frances Havergal's poem, Take My Life and Let It Be. In the last verse, she said, Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Ever only all for thee. Ah, that's what our lives should look at, look like when we're devoted to Christ. Paul was a driver, wasn't he? He didn't coast. He didn't coast. He was content but never complacent. And he pushed believers toward progress in advancing the gospel message. Sometimes preachers comfort the afflicted and other times we're called to afflict the comfortable. Come on, let's go. Let's get out there. Let's tell people. Let's make a difference. Let's fulfill the great commandment and great commission. Let's get involved with Samaritan Community Center, right? 
Let's make a difference in the lives of other people while we have the opportunity. He was holy sandpaper in their lives because he knew that advancing the gospel would bring them ultimate joy and they would be encouraged to boast about what Christ had done for them. We're too timid in declaring our faith, telling our story, and sharing our faith. There's nothing quite like leading a person to the saving knowledge of of Christ. And note that in this passage that any boasting was to be in Christ Jesus. So then he says in verse 27, he says, whatever happens. I love that. Okay, so whatever happens. He knows it's up to God. Whatever happens. Either way, whether I live or die, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. This is important. Underline that in your Bible. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of of the gospel of Christ. Evidently, there were issues of rivalry and self-centered ambition in the Philippian church because you're going to see him address it several times during this letter. In the Greek, this phrase literally means, this, uh, conduct yourselves means live as citizens. Live as citizens. And, and the Philippians knew exactly what that meant. He will use the word again in Philippians 3.20 when he says our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there. But they knew exactly what he meant by this because living as a citizen meant that you had certain privileges and responsibilities as a citizen. After the riot Paul caused in Acts 22, it created quite a stir among the Roman soldiers when they realized that Paul was a Roman citizen. Look at this in Acts 22. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Paul had just told them that God had sent him to the Gentiles. And they flew off the handle when he said that. Watch what they did. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. As they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air. Boy, they were mad. They were throwing a fit. The commander ordered that Paul be taken back into the barracks. You see, the Romans didn't like riots because they meant that they weren't in control. It meant that things were out of control when someone was rioting. They didn't like that. So he took him back into the barracks and he directed that he be flogged and interrogated in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. And look at this phrase. As they stretched him out to flog him. Don't let that pass by too quickly. As they stretched him out to flog him. Paul said to the centurion standing there. Is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and reported it. What are you going to do? He asked. This man is a Roman citizen. The commander went to Paul and asked. Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. Then the commander said, I had to pay a lot of money for my citizenship. And Paul said, I was born a citizen. Those who were about to interrogate him withdrew immediately. In other words, they didn't want their picture taken with this. They got out of there quickly. They didn't want to be associated with this guy who was in chains, about to be flogged, and yet he was a Roman citizen. And it says the commander himself was alarmed when he realized that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in chains. 
See, the Philippians knew the importance of this because in 42 B.C., after the Battle of Philippi, many Roman soldiers settled in the city of Philippi. And Octavian, who would be later Caesar Augustus that you read about in Luke chapter 2, he sent a number of people from Rome to settle in Philippi. They were given the right of Italica, which meant the very soil they lived on there in Philippi was like Roman soil. And so they had all these privileges of Rome. They didn't even have to pay taxes. So the people understood what Paul meant when he said, live as citizens or conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. We need to conduct ourselves as citizens of the kingdom of God and represent the message of the gospel well. When, when I was a kid, I would do anything to keep from driving a tractor because it was hot and it was dusty. And so one summer I got a job with a fertilizer company and we would hop wings for air, airplanes, for crop dusters, and put fertilizer in the bins and all that. But when it was raining, we were stuck. We couldn't work and we couldn't go home. So we would just sit in this little room. And my boss was a guy who didn't know the Lord. And I became burdened for his soul. And I would start sharing Christ with him. And every time I tried to share Christ with him, he would start bringing up people in the church, in the town where I lived, leaders, deacons, and talk about the immoral things that they had done. And then he would point his finger at me and say, I'm just as good as they are. I'm just as good as they are. You see, when we, don't, when we don't live as citizens, when we live hypocritical lives of willful disobedience, the world laughs. Satan laughs and our message is undermined. We need to live lives worthy of Jesus Christ and the gospel. Well, he says there to stand firm. He says, then whenever I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Now, I've put two different versions up here for you. The one is the NIV 2011 and the other is the ESV. And I want you to look. Spirit in the NIV is capitalized, but in the ESV, it's not capitalized. In most versions, it's not capitalized. When it's capitalized, that would indicate the Holy Spirit. That you stand firm in the Holy Spirit. The other one would indicate that they would live united in spirit. And theologians have wrestled back and forth with this one for a long time. Because the word pneuma is used in the same context in a lot of different places in the New Testament. So which is it? Holy Spirit or unified spirit? Yes! Yes, it's both. It's both because you cannot, we cannot as the church live in, we can't stand firm in a spirit of unity without seeking the Holy Spirit. We can't stand firm for very long in unity without the Holy Spirit among us. During COVID, during the worst days of COVID, when our elders had to make 
the most difficult decisions in the history of our church, I saw unity. Our nation was divided and that spilled over into the church. Good people in the church found themselves at both extremes. Trust me, I heard from most of them. And they were more than willing to share their opinions with me. But never once, you were there, Scott, never once did our elders have a problem coming to consensus in the two years that we constantly met. We constantly met without taking a break for two years, making decisions. Never once were we unable to come to consensus during that time. Some of you have been in church, church business meetings before. Some of you are old enough to remember church business meetings. You know how hard it is for a church to decide anything. Especially if you're a preacher's kid. But never once did they have issues. It's because our elders sought the Holy Spirit, which led them to a unified spirit. That's what seeking the Holy Spirit does for us. And he says, I know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together. They were to strive together as one. And it speaks to the importance of unity in the church. For what purpose? For the faith of the gospel, he says. Spreading the gospel was their ultimate goal and calling, and it should be ours as well. They weren't to strive. Listen to me now. They weren't to strive against one another or against anybody else. But strive for the advancement of the gospel, the good news. The church doesn't advance our vision and mission when we are debating the petty issues of the world. Amen? So we have an election coming up on our doorstep. It's right here. Nowhere in Scripture will you find that politics is to be a focus of the church. In the most politically corrupt time in the history of the world, during Jesus and Paul's day, what did they say? Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. And Paul says, submit to the authorities that God has placed over you. So we don't get involved in the petty things of the world and the church. We stay focused on Christ because changing the world is done by leading people to Christ and changing their perspective. That's how we change the world. We will always speak out on moral and ethical issues. Always. But that's not our job. It's divisive. It's divisive. They are to suffer well, he says, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Are you frightened by those who oppose you? You know, there was a time when Christians didn't face a lot of opposition, persecution, but that is changing. Are you frightened by that thought? Are you frightened by the thought that your children or your grandchildren may be persecuted because of their faith? The word that Paul uses here. The Greek word, it's not found anywhere else in Scripture. But in the classical Greek, it's used to describe timid horses who are startled every time there's a little movement or a little noise. They're, they just jump at it. He says, don't live like that. Don't live like there's a werewolf on every corner. 
Have faith in God. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 10. He says, when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. I think that still happens. He says, don't be frightened in any way. And remember, these words come to us from a guy who is in chains in the mouth of a lion. Nero, who will ultimately take his life in just a few years. A fully devoted follower of Christ, filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, is an unstoppable force. And then he says what was read so well earlier. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. In other words, he says there's a grace of salvation and a grace of suffering. Those are graces of God for us. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now here, I still have. I've heard so many stories through the years about people who have come to Christ after watching believers courageously suffer for their faith. I think one of those may have been young Timothy. You see, Timothy's hometown was Lystra. And and Lystra was the place where Paul went into and they dragged him out of the city and they stoned him to the point of death. They thought he was dead. And then the church came out and gathered around him and somehow he was revived. You know what he did? He went back into the city. The opposite of what I would have done. I would have gone the other way. They just stoned him to death. He went back into the city. Such courage. An unstoppable force he was. And I think Timothy watched that. And I think he was inspired by that. When people are going through difficult times, God may bring people into their lives that they wouldn't have encountered otherwise. I often share this with people who are going down to MD Anderson or they're going to Mayo Clinic or they're going to Highlands Oncology for treatment. I remind them, God may bring you someone that you can tell your story and share your faith and they may embrace it as well. Because these people you're going to be encountering are in the most difficult time of their life. Whether he was living or dying, everything for Paul was about Christ. And so let's summarize this. How do we live in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ? Well, number one, we preserve unity. In the body of Christ, we live in a spirit of unity. We look to the elders to guide us and to lead us. And then we live in unity, fulfilling the vision and mission that God has called us to. We spread the gospel message. Jesus saves, the old song says. He still saves. So tell your story and share your faith and let the Holy Spirit do his work. Live in confidence, not fear. We don't have anything to fear because God is in control. So let's go back to the opening statement. And you fill in the blanks. For me to live is. 
And to die is could be this. For me to live is money. And to die is to leave it all behind. For me to live is recreation or entertainment. To die is to stand empty handed before God someday. For me to live is fame. And to die is to be forgotten. For me to live is power. And to die is to lose it all. None of these are inherently bad things. Not in and of themselves, only when they're abused. I'm sure Paul liked to have a little money in his pocket. He may have even played pickleball once in a while. I don't know. But for him to live was Christ. And to die was gain. That's a lot for us to ponder. Just that one little sentence. Would you bow with me? I'm not going to pray for you. I want you to pray. But let me prompt you. Ponder where you are in your life right now. If you know Jesus is your Savior, you've entered that process of sanctification. Where we're separated from the world and unto God. Are you living it out? Are you growing? Are you growing? Are you living from fear to fear? Afraid of what tomorrow might bring? Where are your priorities? And where have you placed your hope? If you've been going the wrong direction, you can turn everything around. I know. Because I did. A fully devoted follower of Christ. Filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Is an unstoppable force. Tonight, the prayer team will be at the back of the room if you would like to pray for them, with them. Have someone pray with you. Sing this softly with me. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Stand and sing it with me. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Fellowship Mosaic, go in peace to serve the Lord. God bless you.